You know, our pets are very similar to ourselves and the last few years have been pretty stressful in a number of different ways and a number of very similar ways to our own lives. They've kind of mirrored our own situation and anxiety is really on the rise. We're seeing this because of the pandemic puppy situation where we weren't able to get our puppies out and about socializing them which is so important for their mental well-being we're also seeing it more and more because of breeding and genetics and certain popular breeds of the moment are becoming notorious for being anxious and requiring a lot of other behavioral intervention And cats aren't immune either, especially if you have to take them anywhere. This isn't a new situation, but putting your cat in a cage, getting them in the car and taking them to wherever they're going, which is normally either a boarding cattery or the vets, is an incredibly anxious and fearful experience for them. And today I want to dive into all of these problems so that your pet can be happy and living their best life. Welcome to the Call the Vet Show, the podcast that helps pet parents understand and optimize the health of their furry family so they can live the full and happy life you want for them. And here's your host, veterinarian Dr. Alex Avery. Hello, Kiora. Welcome to another episode of the Call the Vet Show. It's really great to be joining you for another action packed, fun filled episode. Um, this week, or the last kind of couple of weeks, I've been seeing a number of animals that have been really anxious coming to see me at the vet clinic. Now, this is something that clearly, you know, we do get from time to time. But the the classic situation of a dog or cat hating the vet, trembling and shaking as they come into the consulting room door, you know, their tail tucked between their legs or refusing to come out of their, their cat carrier, really is a thing that needs to be consigned to the past. There's so much that we can do to prevent this in the first place being a problem. And then if it is a problem, actually kind of correcting the situation and taking some action to mean that this isn't the case. And that's going to be really important. And I'm going to talk about that today. But it also got me thinking about just general anxiety as a whole, because I think we are seeing this more and more in our pet dogs and cats. Uh, There was a whole uh, change in routine that caused all kinds of different problems with people working from home. Um, You know, they've not necessarily gone back to the office and uh, we weren't able to get out and about, as I said in the introduction. And anxiety, it feels, is, is really on the increase in our pets. And there's an awful lot of different tools in our arsenal to get to the bottom of this. And so today I really just want to talk about what the underlying causes of anxiety are, because although I've mentioned a few of them already, there are a number of really important ones that you probably won't have considered And that's going to be important because I'm then going to talk about, well, what can you give an anxious dog or cat to help ease their anxiety? But how can we reach a diagnosis of what the actual underlying cause is so that we can then actually target the root cause rather than just try and kind of muck around in the periphery, if you like, to reduce the feelings of anxiety, but not taking away that stimulus. And then I do want to touch briefly on just how we can deal with fear, anxiety and stress at the vet clinic. I'm fear-free certified and this is something that I feel is very strongly about um, and I think it's within every pet parent's reach to actually make their pet love their vet. So with all that in mind, let's dive deep into anxiety in our dogs and cats. And now on with the show. 
So first, the causes of anxiety. Now, the first one is going to be lack of socialization. So here, that is, that's just a lack of experiencing life in general, all the different sights, the sounds, the environments, the experiences, the people, the vehicles, everything that a, a dog or a cat should be experienced and exposed to in the early stages of life. And here we're talking kind of from about um, 10 to 16, you know, possibly 20 weeks of age. Their brains are just like little sponges. They just suck everything up, uh, accept it as normal. They develop coping strategies should they come across something new or unfamiliar when they get older. And you know, it's really important that we're we're intentional. There's a lot of intentionality about the socialization experience that, again, both our dogs and cats are subjected to. We tend to think of it as a dog, um, a, a dog job, if you like, when you get a puppy. But absolutely, cats, it's the same thing. Introducing them to the, the carry cage, the the car, their harness, their collar. Um, if you want to walk your dog, uh, walk your cat, um, you know, on a lead, then absolutely exposing your kitten to that in the early stages is incredibly important and if we have a lack of socialization then that could be catastrophic because it will generally lead to anxiety and certainly anxiety of new experiences uh, it can lead to phobias uh, so we've got our you know firework phobia for example or our storm phobias um it can also lead to uh, separation anxiety, which can result in a lot of destruction of, of property and can, they can cause some pretty serious damage to themselves as well. Uh, and it can lead to aggression, uh, fear aggression and other really serious life limiting problems. And actually, if we take away uh, our infectious diseases that are vaccine preventable, so things like our parvovirus, um, then actually the biggest cause of death in young dogs is because of behavioural issues that result in many cases from this lack of socialisation. Now, that's not always going to be the case. And actually, previous bad experiences can also cause a lot of behavioural issues. And that's the same with anxiety as well. You know, sometimes it doesn't bear thinking about what's happened to some of our, our rescue pets, for example, you know, what they've been through in their past. It's, it, you know, it's really heartbreaking, some stories that, you know, I'm sure you've heard or seen on social media as well. But previous bad experiences absolutely can lead to just a general anxiety or anxiety in certain specific situations. The big cause of anxiety and some phobias and certainly um, uh, kind of fear and phobias of loud noises is, is definitely one. But anxiety can be caused by pain. And that's both acute in the short term, but more common situation here is actually chronic pain. So long term uncontrolled pain. And clearly the biggest culprit here is going to be arthritis. It is an incredibly common problem in both cats and dogs. It's not recognised nearly enough. We're not good as pet parents or as vets um, either is actually picking up the early signs of arthritis, our dogs and cats being in the early stages of chronic pain. And we often don't do the best job possible at actually addressing that and treating it using all of the different treatment modalities in our arsenal. We really need to approach it from a number of different aspects. We call that a multimodal approach where we're tackling weight, we're including weight, diet, supplements, um, physical therapies, uh, drugs, clearly. There's a whole range of different things that we can do to, to help reduce the pain and keep our pets comfortable and also improve their mental state as a result. And then we've got other medical issues as well. So we've got conditions of older dogs, so um, dementia, senility, kind of 
cognitive decline, uh, which is a, a common problem in older dogs and cats, and is also very underappreciated and underrecognized. Um, unfortunately, there's not a huge amount that we can do that makes a massive difference, but there are definite steps that we can can take to make our dogs and cats' lives a lot easier, happier, less stressful, and less anxious uh, in their senior years if they're going through uh, you know this this mental deterioration but then any other chronic diseases can also result in anxiety i'm thinking here um, allergies so being itchy all the time we almost do need to think of that or we should be thinking of that as being painful all the time it is incredibly irritating it has an incredibly negative impact on on quality of life and frequently results in anxiety we can also think of hormonal problems, so thyroid um, thyroid problems, Cushing's disease, which is an increase in stress hormone throughout the the um, the, the body, and clearly that is kind of indicating to the body that it's under a lot of stress. You can imagine how uh, much anxiety can be produced as a result of that. So we don't want to think of anxiety as just a behavioural issue, if you like. We really need to consider that there may be something kind of completely seemingly separate that is triggering this anxiety another medical issue that if we're not addressing properly if we're not getting to the root cause you know how can we hope to to properly um, manage and eliminate that dog or cat's anxiety levels so that's something that you really um, should be thinking about if you do recognize that your dog has an anxiety at certain times or all the time or it's being it's but you've noticed it increasing and becoming more of a problem than it was ever before you know those are all indications that maybe there's actually more to this than meets the eye so that's kind of our causes of anxiety in the short term then what can we do to help our anxious dog or cat what can we we give them now clearly the the behavioral modification that we're going to do depends on what it is that they seem to be anxious towards so if it's an anxiety towards um, fireworks or storms you know can we be desensitizing them to that through the use of um, kind of cds or um, kind of spotify playlists is probably the the better way to go about it these days um, to to be gradually ramping up those sound levels to get them used to those loud noises noises um but you know what can we give um if you like in terms of supplements um and other kind of common therapies that are going to be appropriate for the vast majority of different anxious um dogs or cats regardless of um you know their particular manifestation well the first one that i always like to talk about is pheromone um, treatments so here i'm thinking of dog appeasing pheromone which comes um a product called adaptil uh, which comes as either a collar or a plug-in diffuser much like an air freshener or we've got our feline facial pheromone which is fell away which comes in a spray which is great if you're um taking your cat in a cage and they don't particularly like it um or a kind of a plug-in air freshener as well um you know these pheromones they help our dogs and cats respectively uh, just feel comfortable feel safe feel at home in that environment and they can be incredibly powerful um, we've got supplements like um, zilkine which is actually a milk protein and a casein derivative uh, and that's been proven to to help reduce levels of anxiety uh, and it's a natural product's very safe and it comes in a, a capsule that you can kind of sprinkle and mix in with food and is generally very very readily accepted um, we've got products like Carmex, which is a herbal mix, a mix of um, lots of different herbs that, again, has been shown to reduce levels of anxiety. 
from the kind of a non-supplement point of view we've got our body wraps uh the kind of classic original version is a thunder shirt so these are very tight uh wraps that effectively kind of like hug the body which again make them feel uh kind of much calmer much less anxious um and have a really kind of soothing effect they don't work for every individual but they can you know they, they can have a dramatic response um if we're stepping things up we can think of cbd you know that there is more and more evidence that cbd has um an anti anti-anxiety effects and that can be can be very very powerful uh I've certainly got plenty of content on CBD that I'll leave in in the show notes as well and, and kind of in the links um, that I'll link to in the, the kind of the description down below to this episode. Um, and then we've got our pharmaceuticals. So there's a number of different pharmaceuticals and clearly they're, they're only going to be given in discussion with your with your vet based on your pet's uh, clinical history. There are other medical problems that may or may not be known about. Um, the most common one is um, gabapentin. Um, that can be given with melatonin sometimes and that's great for targeting specific visits so actually vet visits um, that's a really useful treatment modality um, and we can step things up you know there's a huge number of different options all the way through to um, our tricyclic antidepressants and you know we might go hey that's you know a little bit too much you might be thinking that that's definitely not something that you'd want to think about but they can be really valuable in our really especially in our really severely affected individuals where actually we're using them for really targeted short-term use to to just calm our pet to get them out of this high stress kind of constantly alert uh kind of cortisol driven behavior to bring them out of that help them relax help the body kind of reset help all of our other strategies that we can use again which are going to vary depending on what the specific problem your pet has um, it's going to allow those to work and then you know we're not going to need them long term there are going to be some dogs that will need uh, and, and cats that will need longer term medication you know and those are often going to be ones that have had some seriously bad experiences in the past um, and they actually need this to, to be living their full and happiest life which should always be our our kind of our guiding light if you like we really need to be taking their well-being as the most important thing uh when we're con constructing any care plan you know no matter really what we're talking about but certainly when it comes to anxiety and other behavioral issues you know but but with that in mind we also need to be reaching uh, a specific diagnosis so it might be that we know it's due to a lack of socialization, but are we ruling out pain? Are we sure that your dog or cat is not in pain and there is an arthritic issue present? You know, it's hugely common, um, you know, probably I think something like 80 percent of dogs over the age of 10 uh, have uh, arthritis and signs of arthritis. But 35 percent of all dogs have arthritis. It's not just a disease of old animals. It's absolutely that's something that happens in 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 our kind of younger years as well it's often results from uh, developmental problems with the joints um with poor conformation which comes from breeding which clearly is a, a, a problem that they're born with and so is going to show itself and and um be present when a, a dog or a cat is younger um it could be joint problems you know have they had a cruciate ligament rupture for example which is very common in our dogs but really if we're not addressing this root cause then you know, our, our supplements, our pharmaceuticals, our behavioral modification strategies, they're only going to be acting effectively as a band-aid. They're much less likely to to fully resolve the situation or to resolve it to the, the best level possible, you know, especially in the long term. And, 
you know, the sooner we get on to some of these other diseases, the the better we're going to be able to treat them, the more successfully we're going to be able to treat them because a lot of the the long term implications of these diseases haven't had a chance to um manifest themselves and so not only is your pet going to be mentally healthy healthier they're also more than likely going to be physically healthier as well so they're going to have to be having a better quality of life and and potentially as well a better quantity of life we know things like arthritis it does result in in earlier euthanasia earlier death than uh, a dog without arthritis or a dog with arthritis who is treated effectively also is going to survive in many cases years longer than a dog whose arthritis has only been uh, possibly detected or uh, treatment has been started in the in the kind of later years when when things have become really serious so you know with that in mind um, you know let's switch switch topics to thinking about dealing with anxiety and fear at the vet clinic there's a number of different things that we can do here now all of those um, those supplements those other options that I've just mentioned are absolutely appropriate here we think of that as a pre-treatment um, uh, kind of regime uh, that is important if we're doing that if we need that then that is done every time it might be that once things are working really nicely and our other strategies are working we can uh, you know kind of dial things back a little bit but we need to be cautious we don't want to take a backward step and and end up back at square one we also need to be planning ahead of time and here I'm thinking, um, you know, letting your veterinary clinic know that your pet is anxious. Um, if you, you know, if they're not already familiar with you and your pet, waiting in the car, uh, calling ahead to making sure that, you know, your vet's not running behind and there's a, an extra long wait. Uh, trying to book an appointment in in the quieter times of the day. So that might be first thing in the morning. Some clinics, that's the busiest time because we've got all our surgical admits. So it might be uh, just before lunch, just after lunch, you know, having that conversation and planning ahead of time one really big thing that i want to speak about is is needs versus wants um you know when i uh, first graduated um you know going back a few years now it really was almost a badge of honor to to get any job done no matter kind of what the reaction uh, of the of the individual animal was and i think it was actually also expected of us as vets as well that no matter how wriggly and uncomfortable and stressed out our dog or cat was uh, if they were in for a nail clip we were going to get those nails clipped and if we couldn't manage that then we'd have some pretty unhappy uh, clients to answer to thankfully times have changed if our pets are really anxious if they're stressed out and it is a want in that it doesn't matter if we don't clip those nails today we can we can kind of abort mission if you like we can take stock of the situation we can put in a few different uh, strategies in place and we can come back you know the next day or in a week's time and have another go at clipping the nails in a a less stressful manner hopefully with a, a much more calm individual you know if we're dealing with a sick animal who needs uh, a blood test and the only way we can get that is through sedation then that's clearly a, a need we need to get this blood test because we've got a sick individual and if we don't get that blood test things could get significantly worse and and they may even die you know that's a need um but like I say there's ways that we can do that it might be that we actually do resort to sedation sooner than we we maybe would have done you know when um, again back in the day it might have been that all of the techs um, all of the nurses just kind of piled on top of a dog and and physically restrained them um, so they were unable to wriggle but they were not having a good time 
no one in the clinic was having a good time and that's really not acceptable now so i think we need to be aware of that that there are some jobs that we can delay without any impact negative impact or otherwise on a pet's well-being their comfort and you know their quality of life um and by doing that by aborting we're going to be much more likely to get a successful outcome the next time when we've implemented a few different changes now some vets um, and and most vets or many vets at, at this current state of time will be happy to advocate for your pet and will be happy to have that discussion um, with you but i think as pet parents as well it's also important to be aware that your vet may feel pressurized to carry out one of these jobs no matter what and so you need to advocate for your pet you can be telling them that you know actually it seems like you know my dog my cat is is getting really stressed out now i think we should pause um i think maybe i'm you know i'm going to come back and make a, a, an appointment for for next week um you know what can what strategies would you suggest uh, we try to to make it successful next time or what um pre-treatment medications or supplements would you suggest is best for my pet so really open up that dialogue with your vet and then from a long-term point of view of helping your pet love your vet we can think about a desensitization plan you know putting steps in place where they're not needing to come into the clinic to to have anything negative done um, but having a positive experience and actually taking the time to really be intentional about a desensitization plan really is time well spent you know i i unfortunately do time and again see animals that you know haven't been socialized is, is the biggest one um, you know they've never been to the vet clinic for anything but uh, sickness or injury so they're feeling you know they're either feeling rubbish or they're feeling sore and so that's what they associate that vet with it's only natural I, I frequently advise people to come in for socialization visits and, and I'm constantly disappointed by how few take me up on that and I also have it where I have patients that I really cannot get my hands on and that has a, a huge impact on my ability to diagnose anything meaningful um, it has an impact on uh, a pet parent's willingness to bring them into the vet clinic because they are anxious and worried about how their pet is going to react and that is only natural and we know that this fear and anxiety and stress at the vet clinic it does result in suboptimal preventive health care it does delay diagnosis and treatment of medical issues and, and this delay may even prove to be fatal. I mean, it delays healing of wounds after surgery. It can increase the cost of treatment because we're not able to, you know, target our diagnostics most effectively. Potentially, we might need repeat sedation or anaesthetics, which are generally very, very safe, you know, but may come at a greater risk, especially if we're dealing with an unwell animal. And ultimately, it impacts the health and well-being and that can really be huge and i believe this that you know this is a real um you know a real issue that not only should be addressed but can be addressed you know i've become fear-free certified that's a qualification that kind of focuses on eliminating this fear anxiety and stress in all pets that visit visit the vet clinic uh and you know it's something that i feel very strongly about helping your pet live the happy healthy life they deserve <coughs> And if you've got an anxious dog or cat, if you want to dive deeper into anxiety, um, I've actually kind of put together a web page for you with a, a load of links and different resources, um, you know, specifically to tackle the problem with anxiety. You can head over to ourpetshealth.com slash anxiety, or there will be links in the show notes and in the description uh, to this podcast episode as well. So, um, you know, it's a number of different um, free downloads. I've also got a course that I've produced to give you actionable steps um, in 
much greater detail to actually help your pet love rather than loathe their vet and that you know really is something that is 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 not just possible it's probable with just a little bit of effort and a little bit of intentionality and working with your vet as well and then just before i go if you've got any friends or family members that have uh, an anxious dog or an anxious cat if they struggle to get them to the vet clinic uh, i'd love for you to to share this episode with them so that ultimately they can become happier and they can live a much better quality of life which really is what i'm all about for dogs and cats no matter where you are in the world and no matter what your situation is so with that in mind all that's left for me to say is that i'm veterinarian dr alex this is the call the vet show and i'll talk to you in the next episode that's it for this episode of the call the vet show be sure to visit callthevet.org to join the conversation Access the show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content. We'll see you next time.